Welcome to Little Bit Weebish. This is the podcast where I, Megan Cardenas, chat with my friends about the anime that I love episode by episode. And today I'm with Sam Kemp and we are talking about the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie. Finally! Yay! This is so exciting. This is like the one manga volume that I did read. (laughs) Sam, so I'm like... I know. Well, and Sam, you still did better than me. I don't know what it is, but it's like, maybe I burnt myself out on Attack on Titan where I like bent over backwards to try to keep up only to burn myself out. And now I just am like, nope, I can't read it. I can't read. (laughs) I can't read the manga while I'm covering it. So you still done better than me just by that one volume. (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh but let's just dive right into it friends if you haven't watched Jujutsu Kaisen Zero I know it's streaming on Crunchyroll I'm sure there's other places where you can find it but speaking of Crunchyroll there's a little Mm. bit of tea on the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie that I'm Mm -hmm. sure people have become aware of it so we're gonna talk about it because it kind of feels like good timing yeah yeah no I think that this is important to talk about because we throw so much money at like Crunchyroll right I mean they just merged yeah we just merged or they just merged with Funimation um and I feel like and they bought um right stuff they, right they bought stuff, right yeah. stuff. So it's like they keep getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And this is like the only place that you can really get a good subscription mm-hmm. where you have a lot of shows to be able to watch. So I think it's important to just, you know, weigh the pros and cons of what we're investing our money and time into. <laughs> I know. And it's like, okay, so here, here it is. This is what we're talking about. It's the fact that this movie, the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie, topped over 34 million US dollars at the American box office. Worldwide, it grossed roughly 196 million. It is one of the highest grossing anime films ever. It's up there with Demon Slayer, Mugen Train. One Piece Red, and Studio Ghibli films like Spirited Away and House Moving Castle. But for some crazy reason, despite that success that blows everyone out of the water, it has been revealed that the English dub voice actors for certain characters like Momo Nishimiya, the witch student, slash Utahime, uh, Iori, because it's apparently voiced by the same person, you know, the fellow teacher, okay. um, and Ichiji or Ichiji, the assistant driver, and the voice actor for Rika, were only paid one hundred and fifty U.S. dollars for their role in the film. Oof. Thirty-four million U.S. dollars from American box offices only paid 150 US dollars. 
Which is also no residuals on that. No residuals. I can't remember what they call it. That's, yeah, yeah, because it would be one thing if, like, that was, I mean, it's still crazy low. Like, I work a full day Mm -hmm. at work and I make more money than that. And and the job that I do is I do a very good job for my company, but I know that my job will never bring my company 34 million U.S. dollars uh, for a marketing campaign. Like, yeah. um, But they only got one hundred and fifty dollars with nothing else based off of like revenue uh, off of net profit. None of it. It's crazy to me. And I mean, to put into perspective, because I know that like, I know that $150, it, money is relative for a lot of people. To some people, that's a lot of money. To other people, that is like chump change. That is nothing. So like, put it into perspective, $150. We're not even talking about how much they brought home because of taxes, but you can't even buy 15 manga from your local bookstore for $150. Yeah. You can't even buy no, it's a good... you can't even buy the full Jujutsu Kaisen manga series with $150. To put it in right. perspective. And here here's the thing is that, you know, yes, Rika doesn't talk a ton. Right? But she is a very prominent character number 1 and number 2, how many times do they ask you to say things over and over and over again. How about the wait time that you have because they ask you to get there at a certain point in time and then don't use you until another certain certain point in time. Like there's a lot of other things that go into it than just, well, at least you got $150 for like 20 lines. But here's the thing. Recording those 20 lines takes a very long time time right it's not just like them talking in one take um Mm-mm. and like you said this character is a foundational character for this mm-hmm. movie without rika utah is just a disturbed depressed person <laughs> like without rika he's nothing and then for the other characters yeah. these are established characters from the jujutsu kaisen season one you know, Momo, yeah. Yutsuhime, uh, Ichichi, and not to mention, these are the ones who are brave enough to say anything. So there's probably, mm-hmm. who who knows who what everyone else was paid, is what I'm saying. These are just the ones who are brave enough to say on Twitter, this is the injustice I was paid, just a measly 150 yeah. bucks, when other people profited greatly. For this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it it blows my mind. I also read, and for those of you who are like sources, I will post two links from what I found based off of this particular movie. Um, but I do want to say something that was shocking to me is that the English okay. the English voice actor for Sotaro Gojo, um, my bad, I did not write it down in my notes, but the English dub voice actor for Gojo said that he is not able to make a living as an anime voice actor unless he also did audiobooks and educational work on the side. This is for Sotaro Gojo. Like, 
the everyone's favorite teacher, you know? It just blows my mind. Which, can I also say that, like, that piques my interest because I'm like, oh, but what audio books do you narrate? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, <laughs> like that's what got me. <laughs> do you happen to read audiobooks in the <laughs> fantasy area? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But romance, like I, I can do, you know, science fiction. I will do whatever yeah, for we, you. <laughs> we need a list of all the places that you read audiobooks for. Um, yes. But also, I had another thought though. Like after I read all this stuff, you know, mm -hmm. because this, um, this movie, we know what it brought in. We know where it compares to, and mm -hmm. Christian Bale. He he voices Howl in Howl's Moving Castle. Can you yes. imagine Christian Bale just being paid 150 bucks for his role as Howl? Like, no. there are massive Hollywood actors who voice, you know, who are voice actors for different productions. Mm -hmm. They would absolutely not be okay with the hundred and fifty dollars there's something about yeah. this anime voice acting or crunchy role or the industry itself that massively needs to change in how they treat their voice actors because literally you could change someone's voice mid-season and fans will be beyond livid because the voice yeah. is very much a part of the character and it mm -hmm. is such a disservice for all that they are doing to make a character come to life from manga to mm -hmm. seeing it on their TV. It's crazy to me. And for something as high grossing as a movie, it's I feel like the $150 is just shameful. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I know that other voice actors have come out. Um, about the injustices that they have received, like, um, now, oh gosh, it was a TikTok video that I was seeing. Oh, I watched too many TikTok videos to be able to go and find it. <laughs> but somebody had said that um, one of the Mob Psycho 100 voice <gasps> actors, who I believe is the main guy? The main I don't remember. character, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mob. Said that he might leave mid season three because of the injustices in pay that he has also received which like you were saying before if you swap voice actors mid-season or from season to season people are going to be upset and mob psycho 100 is pretty popular from what i have seen yeah i mean i don't i i watched a few episodes but people are hyped for the, the next season well. to come people are so excited yeah. so it's just yeah i just don't get it like you know and oh i had another thought because of like with christian bale <laughs> the thought of him getting 150 bucks is laughable but then you think of like other voice actors who are even like young um like May mm -hmm. Whitman as Katara for her um, in Avatar The Last Airbender, King. Okay? Mm -hmm. She's very young at the time, and I use her as a reference because she doesn't have the same notoriety as Christian Bale, like, when he did that. Mm -hmm. But, like, even May Whitman, as a child, not that much voice acting experience. 
I feel like she would make more than 150 US dollars per episode, plus the residuals yeah. that come from a massively popular fandom such as Attack on Titan, which I feel like Jujutsu Kaisen is on par with in terms of fandom mm-hmm. hype. So it's like, what is the deal here? What excuses are they making to justify that price? I don't, I don't get it. It's a good question. And I feel like it's, it's kind of hard to compare Mae Whitman to, um, to some of these voice voice actors because she also is a, uh, in-person actor as well. It was also well, a different studio with like Nickelodeon. Right. That's only why you know, I brought up her work with Attack, not Attack on Titan, with Avatar The Last Airbender because she was so yeah. young when she did it. She didn't have yeah, and the crazy resume like Christian Bale, but still. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. No, it's, it's a good point because like who, who knows how long this has gone, gone on for because like, you know, things like this happened to Shirley Temple as well, where she was just swindled out of a lot of money. Yes. I mean, that this happened to Elvis as a performer with his manager. If you guys have seen the Elvis movie, like that uh, is a very big theme in there. And so I just feel like the film industry has a lot to make up for at this point. Like they've got They've got a lot of work to do. Right. And I know there's a lot of people involved in this project. The artists, the illustrators, mm-hmm. the the producers, the whatnot. But voice acting, again, is one of those things where it's like, if you change it out from, from someone else who's an established character, or you just blatantly disregard, like, a fundamental character and just make them yeah. so grossly underpaid... I don't know. I just have a problem with it. And I guess we can keep yeah. talking in circles about this, but I just wanted to address it before we get into how much we love this movie. Um, just to let yeah. people know no, that we're aware point. and that you're allowed to be conflicted about this just as much as we are. So yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a very good point. And I think that like, with these voice actors coming out, hopefully something will come of it. I think that the more people make a stink out of it. And, you know, if this Mob Psycho 100 voice actor pulls out mid-season, I Ugh. think that Crunchyroll is going to be able to tell how crucial these voice actors are. And, you know, see the repercussions of their actions and... Yeah, seriously, Crunchyroll, if anyone powerful from Crunchyroll listens to our podcast, uh, we'd be happy to share our thoughts. (laughs) Do better. That's all I'm saying is do better. Exactly. Do better, be better. That's all we ask of you. Um, But now let's just dive in to a good time and talk about the movie. And you guys, we... In episodes past, um, wherever we, like, hit a finale roundup thing, we just, like, go in order. There's no theme. Uh, We just talk about the things that we either loved or the things we found problematic, and we just kind of bring it up in real time, and we go in that order. So, Sam, since you kind of brought it up first in our notes, I'll let you (laughs) kick it off. (laughs) Yeah. um, Okay. So yeah, we're just going to go in chronological order as the movie progresses. 
Um, but first we have an opening scene of where Utah, not Utah, <laughs> Utah is being, um, is being bullied to the point where like you see this change, like he's very, very scared. Right. Um, but he seems to call on Rika. I... Like he really does seem to call on her for protection. I think I disagree. I think it's because oh, really? yes, I think it's more so because the boy says he wants to kill Utah, which makes Rika show up. And so it's not a calling for Rika to come protect him. It's more like a Rika stop. Like, I don't want this to oh, happen. Really? Yeah, that was my interpretation. Oh. It's <laughs> Okay. Oh, it's not it's not a bad thing. Like it's just so funny how like people's perspectives are. Yes, and you can be watching the same thing, but this the things are so slight that it's just like it leaves yeah. it up for interpretation. But yeah, I think yeah. it was more so him just saying, "Please don't." Like I'd rather this guy beat me up than you do what you're going to do that I know you're going to do kind of thing. Well, now I have to rewatch this whole entire movie. <laughs> See how it changes. Like, yeah, because honestly, like for me, it was more of a, it was more of like a Rika, like almost like a, are you there? Oh. <laughs> like kind of a moment. Yeah, um, maybe I need to not that, this. <laughs> just because, like the the pro. The reason why I say that, and I could have just, like, misheard tones or, you know, whatever, but I didn't think that he was necessarily calling on her to do harm, but more to protect, and she mm. kind of just ran with it. That was my interpretation of it, but I, I like yours better because it makes me feel better oh. <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> okay, well, good um, to know. That he's trying to, like, hold her back. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, well, we shall see. I mean, either way, <laughs> either way, it tracks with, like, the rest of the movie, let's be honest. So. Oh, for sure. No, for sure. Yeah. Now, the next thing that I wanted to bring up. Okay, so the moment when Gojo basically, like, talks to the higher-ups about Rika and Yuta. Yet again, we are seeing a behavioral pattern. Gojo is standing up to these higher-ups to prevent them from mm -hmm. murdering a teenager out of fear. Like, what is their yeah. deal? He did that with Itadori, and we know he also stepped in for Fushiguro with the Zenin clan, so clearly yeah. he has this pattern of standing in the way of powerful people and being an obstacle to protect these kids, and I'm a big fan of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Big time fan. Um, Not a big fan of the white eye mask, though. <laughs> Just. Really? I like it. What? When he's, like, winding it back on his head, I'm like, oh, cool. I mean, I, I like how it makes his hair stand up, like, super, super far, apparently, <laughs> as well. I mean, I like that action, too, but I'm just like, you know, I prefer the black. 
I prefer the black, <laughs> but it does contrast very nicely. But I, yeah, the motion of like wrapping, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I will say I've noticed Gojo patterns. This will not be my only time I bring up Gojo patterns, but I liked it. And we, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember if it was in the last episode of, um, season one or if it is in this movie at some point but he does say like i think that teenagers should be allowed to live their lives as teenagers essentially it's this one right here um yeah and i only know that because this is fresh in my mind and if you are on instagram (laughs) you saw that i watched this like a few hours before recording so it is all fresh up in here so but he just says he just says something like I'm happy to be an obstacle for that. Yep. Like he specifically said something around that and I was like good for you. You have a cause. You're doing great things. Go you. I know. Freaking loved it. Um okay, so I just like okay. I feel so bad for Yuta because he like goes and kind of like monologues while he's Starting at the school, he's eating breakfast and stuff like that. And he just pretty much gets to the point where he's like, I'd rather kill myself to keep other people safe (sighs) than, you know, to continue on living and having people get hurt. And I just, I feel so terrible that, like, this has gotten to that point for Utah. I know. There are times when I'm like, I really just want to come in there, give you a little hug and be like, it's all going to be okay. Like, just keep going because it gonna, it's gonna get better you know it's just he breaks yeah, my heart for sure and like as a teenager growing up feeling like you know your world is the only world that matters like you don't think about the repercussions too terribly outside of like your actions right and so that just it just kills me because I'm like oh Utah like there are people who care mm-hmm there are people who care. You just have to find the right people. Exactly. Um, but kind of to go along with this, like at the beginning of the movie, we see Yuta getting ready and you see him put on a white jacket, which I'm like, what is the meaning of this? Like everybody else has black or blue. And I remember at the beginning of the first season that like Gojo talks about how you can modify your uniform to what you need like with Itadori and I'm assuming Toge as well since he's got like the high collar but the last person that we saw have a white jacket is uh oh what's his name I don't know what is his name I'm like we saw the kids the kid the kid that died the kid that died um in the first season he's he wears um, a white jacket in the intro. Junpei, yes. Junpei the- wears a white jacket in the intro. Oh, and no. he died. So why is that why Yuta <gasps> is wearing a white jacket? Oh-ish. <laughs> like, what's going on here? Oh, man. Well, then this stacks up with something that I read because I was genuinely like, why is he standing out like this? Uh, why does he get this special yeah. I saw it on... Now my sources are not credible. It's just people talking to each other. <laughs> so, but yeah. there were basically two things that I noticed that kept popping up. One, 
is that he had white on because he was essentially the problem child and could be easily identified. Mm. And then the other was that he was instated as a regular or as a special grade sorcerer, which is why when in their logic that when Rita dies, well, goes away in curse form that he goes to black. But I'm like, mm. if this was so common knowledge, Maki wouldn't have asked him for his ID. Like, if white meant special grade sorcerer, she wouldn't have asked yeah. for the ID. So I actually think it's the former, that the white is given to kind of a a problem child that people Trouble. need to keep an eye yeah. on and can be easily identified, mm. which would track with Junpei, given that he was kind of suspicious, but not bad. Just yeah. kind of yeah. did some suspicious things, you know? Um, and I think that's why <laughs> there was the light. I don't know. Yeah, no, that makes a good point. It, I mean, it's better than the you're going to die. <laughs> that I thought I was like, he's going to die. I mean, he probably will. Let's be honest. Jujutsu Kaisen is tracking with Attack on Titan with just, you know. Heartbreak. Not giving me much yeah, no, heartbreak, not much faith that, like, people are going to make it the whole way. Whether making it the whole way as a good person or making it the whole way in general, you know. I am so, yeah. terrified <laughs> for season two. I am terrified. I'm just throwing that out there. Because um, I feel like we've been a little, like, it's been dark, it's been creepy, but it's been happy for the most part. It's been, like, quips and whatever. And I'm like, oh, no, we're just setting up for some heartache. Like Junpei was go. a cautionary tale of things to come, <laughs> that kind of heartbreak. So, yeah, yeah. But anyway, let's move on. What else did you like <laughs> or want to talk about? Okay, so I wanted, I wanted to like mesh these two because I feel like they're really good comparison as to who Gojo is as a person. <laughs> but like Yuta is like walking down the like pathway to get to school and you just see Gojo waiting for him. Just like, hey, buddy. I know. Like, so cute. You walk into school. So sweet. He's like happy to see him. And you can see Yuta is like kind of surprised and just I think it puts him at ease a little bit. Yep. But then flip side of the coin. Kind of a dick move by Gojo for not prepping Yuta <laughs> as he walks into class, what he's getting into. Like, Yuta didn't even know that this wasn't a regular school. Right. Like, we, we find that out from, like, Maki. And, like, the, one of the first things that happens is he almost, Yuta almost gets stabbed by Maki. Yeah. Because she sees Rika. Oh, my gosh. Like. Dude, know your students. Know the room. Read the room, Gojo. Read the room. But okay. It's on par with like bringing Itadori back in a box and thinking everybody's going to be so excited <laughs> to see Itadori instead of being like flabbergasted that he's actually alive. Just saying. Oh my gosh. Okay. But I'm going to I'm going to argue this or counter argue this because okay. I mean, we shouldn't expect anything else from Gojo. But I think this is one of his, this falls into that unorthodox methodologies of teaching because he seems oh, okay. to only share what is critical, like absolutely necessary. Um, even 
and he doesn't share the things that normal people deem critically critical or necessary. It's just whatever yeah. he deems it to be. And I think that's because curses and cursed spirits and cursed users do not come with a warning label. So why should he mm. lull his students into this false sense of security by giving them all the facts? I think he does it intentionally to keep them all on their toes at all times. <laughs> I mean, doesn't that track, I think though? That that's a good, it does, and it makes sense. But as somebody who has very high anxiety <laughs> and social anxiety on top of this, this situation did not make me happy at Gojo at all. We would either, like, not survive as Jujutsu Sorcerers. we just, like, oh, pack no. up our bags and go, or through, <laughs> like... Um, what's it called? Like complete and total immersion therapy, we would be cured. <laughs> like there's one or the other, exactly. both extremes would happen. Both extremes. Both <laughs> extremes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. And then kind of the next thing that I wanted to point out was how traumatic is it to Utah that he saw Rika die right in front of him like that's pretty harsh like real that's really bad (laughs) I'm I'm gonna tell people right now I freaking cried at every single flashback I I cried at every single one of these um and i'm probably gonna have to talk about it like as we continue but man it's just so freaking unfair and i just i break for the two of them and i break for utah especially because he had to live with it you know Mm -hmm. just made me mad made me mad and sad yeah it was it was one of those moments where i was like he's a child and he just experienced this happen to a different child um i don't know i just i don't know how else to put this in words but like i'm so sorry if he was a real person like i would i would be like this is the reason why you feel so messed up because you experienced this and you also experienced this at a young age where you couldn't even understand that you could maybe work through this like you had nothing in that little brain of yours to be able to help you cope with this yep and you're allowed to still feel what you're feeling even though time has gone on you're still allowed to feel how you're feeling yeah yeah we'd have words if Utah was a real person we'd have words we'd go out to lunch so for sure yeah I'd be like sweet sweet baby come here exactly (laughs) all around Exactly. I don't hug people, but I will hug you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Then, like, um. So I was watching this with my husband, right? Because uh-huh. he he hadn't seen it yet. Um. But I he was just like, man, Maki's being such a bitch. Oh no! <laughs> like, like right off the bat, and like, yeah, Maki has such a bad attitude towards Utah. Utah right off the bat. And I just don't think that I could ever personally like do that. Um, Like even if I felt like people were out to get me, which sometimes I feel like people are. (laughs) I feel like we all feel (laughs) like that sometimes. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't think that I could just judge somebody so quickly and treat them so poorly. Like Utah hasn't technically done anything to her specifically, like barely said any words to her. So the fact that she's being mean to him, I was just like, woof, can't. I can't relate to that. (laughs) Uh, Well, I can't relate to that either, but I'm going to make an argument for Maki as if I'm like her defense attorney. Um, I think she's pulling a Hermione Granger. (laughs) Like at this moment, they're all first years. So Maki kind of has this chip on her shoulder about not being able to see curses without her glasses. And Hermione yeah. coming in hot as a first year, she was the she was the biggest know it all and essentially smart shamed a lot of people to prove that she was worthy to be there despite her lack of mm-hmm. wizard heritage. And then here's Utah, who kind of gets plopped there without knowing a single thing, without making an effort for anything. Um, and like no fault of his own, but compare that to mm-hmm. Maki, that's, that would rub her anyone the wrong way. She even made a comment where she says that she bets that he just lived passively through life. And if we compare yeah. that to how she actively left her clan, how she is actively pursuing this route of becoming the best jujitsu sorcerer to come back and to prove her clan wrong... Like, I can see why that would rub her the wrong way. To her, she is, to, in her eyes, like, Utah is passive, but, like, special all of a sudden. He doesn't even know how he got there. So she feels Mm -hmm. like she has to prove things, especially because she already comes with the inability to not see curses, which is kind of major in what she wants to do kind of similar to how Hermione just like smart shamed everyone, tried to prove herself. And then here's Harry freaking Potter who just like gets plopped into the wizarding world and is like, well, wizards exist. That's cool. You know? And, but everyone thinks he's special and he just has no clue why he's so delusional. That's, that is my argument. Um, I rest my case, your honor. (laughs) (laughs) I mean that, yeah, I, I, I get it. I guess it's just like not in my personality. Nor mine, your honor. Under, but this, understand that. But this is <laughs> like I, I get the comparison, and I, I think that that is a valid comparison in the way that they both of those characters think or could think. Yeah. But yeah, I was just like, whoa! Pump the brakes, sister. Like I know she comes in hot really hot yeah. like scorching like you need a oven mitt to handle that yeah simmer it down yeah <laughs> For sure. um I guess the, the the next thing that I kind of wanted to chat about was something that I just finally understood after watching this movie twice <laughs> and watching the Jujutsu Kaisen first season three different times <laughs> understanding completely the use of the veil by the way <laughs> did not understand all of the reasons why the veil is useful um because i ended up at this point just pausing it um and being like john 
oh my gosh, I feel like such an idiot. <laughs> hey, so I knew that the veil was there to keep other people out. Right. Also to keep like the danger within and then also so that other people couldn't see it. But I did not also realize that like, I can't remember the words that they use, um, but essentially what they're doing is they're drawing out the curses as well. Like the bubble is there to help make them visible and able to be beaten up. I just thought that they were like, okay, the veil is up. It's go time. Did not realize that the veil brought them out. I'm, well, I'm an idiot. I know. I understand. Like Megan is looking at me like, oh, you sweet, sweet soul. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know. Didn't know. You know. Sorry, guys. There are people who are listening who probably had an aha light bulb moment because you broke it down. <laughs> so because of your bravery, bravery to admit that there are people who are now on the same page with us. So I and there are some people that are like not listening to a little bit wavish anymore because this one other chick is just like the dumbest <laughs> oh my gosh please come back everyone <laughs> oh my gosh so funny um i will say though uh speaking of that cursed elementary school and all that I don't know if it's because right now it's October, but it couldn't help but think like, man, this is the worst of the haunted houses on steroids. Like, this would be ab Ooh. absolutely terrifying. I would probably pee my pants if I was Utah seeing this for the first time. Because again, mm. he like just barely found out what this school does. And then he's like, holy freaking crap. There's more of these little Rikas going on everywhere. Like terrifying i've only done one yeah. haunted thing ever and is a haunted forest and let me tell you that's enough for me i do not like haunted things oh a haunted forest that sounds like 10 times scarier than a haunted house to me oh my gosh it was the one where we used to live sam i'm sure you knew you know exactly what it is um it's like wait in Utah. No, in, in Utah, in Northern Virginia, Gosh, where we grew up, we did it as a um, yeah, we did it as like some youth activity. And let me let me just say, it was the most terrifying thing. Where at one point I was running through the forest because it was just terrifying. But they put these little like mini trampoline springs in the ground which sounds like a liability waiting to happen yeah um, yeah <laughs> but I remember stepping on it and it propelling me like a like a foot or two and my shoe flew off and oh no so I had to run back because I'm in the freaking forest okay and I grabbed my shoe and there was a lady who was like behind me walking quickly but creepily saying hold my baby and like arms no. out reaching and I was like no and I just like <laughs> ran oh my gosh and by the time we made it to the finish line they took photos of us there was literally steam emanating from our bodies because like our <laughs> bodies were pumping with adrenaline by the time we finished it was horrifying they had the chainsaws like going it was bad it was bad oh yeah yeah and that's enough for me <laughs> I will never do those again see I love 
haunted houses, but I don't like it when they touch you. And I feel like in Utah, it's like, okay, let me just say this. I haven't been to a haunted house and probably, okay, how old are my kids? Probably five years because my husband doesn't like them very much. Oh, yeah. And I'm hella sure not going to go by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I enjoy them, but am I going to go by myself? I don't think so. Um, But I feel like the newest trend for, like, the last, I say newest trend for, like, the last 10 years is what I was going to say. (laughs) Not new. Um, is to like touch people and have different levels of like haunted house nope. experience. Nope. And I, I went on a date with a boy from Virginia. This you don't know him. Oh, I don't. Bummer. He was a very cute redhead. I really liked him. Um, <laughs> but we we went and we were both like, yeah, we don't want to be touched. And they were like, okay, here's like your signifier that you're not going to get touched. But holy hell, do they get within like centimeters of you (laughs) anyway? (laughs) Like, yeah, they don't drag you off by yourself, but did I have a lobotomy needle like centimeters away from my eye? Yeah. Wow. Pushing it, pushing it. What if I would have leaned forward? Done. It's right up there with a liability trampoline in the forest. Yeah. Right up there. Exactly. Lobotomy needles and trampolines. <laughs> Why are they there? <laughs> uh, Why? <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, wrapping it back up to Jujutsu Kaisen, that would have scared me. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I would have been Utah. Yeah. And that thing, like, and they're just screaming every time. <laughs> Um, I, I guess this is just me yet again saying that like Gojo really just throws people into situations with no real information. Yes, we did talk about last episode how this is like, has been a benefit in the end for our trio from the first season. But I watched this before we did the last episode. So this is my comments when I was still previously really pissed about it. (laughs) Um, Maki and Yuta don't even, uh, sorry, Maki doesn't know how, um, so Yuta doesn't know how to utilize Rika to help with this mission. Right. And then, um, Yuta also doesn't know that Maki can only fight curses with her cursed weapon. Right. Like, he doesn't know that she can't see curses without her glasses. He doesn't know that she doesn't have cursed energy. Like, there's a real disconnect in them understanding what each other can do. And maybe that's also the fault of their own being like, okay, like, what's your skill set? But they're also teenagers and don't think about other people the way that they should. Yep. (laughs) And that's where Gojo could have helped fill that in a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Probably. But I do have to say, um, I do really, really enjoy the moment where they're inside the curse's stomach. And Maki really impassions Yuta to to utilize Rika inside the curse. Yes. Um, I just, I think that she's like, so what are you going to do about it? Like, you, like, I literally can't do anything. You have 
these tools to use, figure it out or else we are all going to die. And she kind of like puts it on him like, I am going to die. These kids are going to die. And because you are a useless waste of space at this (laughs) moment, with all the power in the world, apparently, since you are special grade and you're not using them, figure it out. And I was kind of like, snap, you go girl moment. And it was, it was an eye opener. It was an eye opener for Utah, and I really enjoyed that moment. Yeah, he definitely had a breakthrough because of it. So I guess it worked out in the long run. He had that breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he he definitely does because the thing is, is that like after he's walking out, saving Maki and the two kids, like he vows that he can do hard things. He's like, I can and I will do hard things, and um, he essentially finds his purpose because of Maki. And then Gojo tells him that he did well. And I think that kind of like furthers his I can do hard things speech. We all need a a little bit of validation. So way to go, Gojo. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I will say in a turn of events after that heartwarming moment, I'm sure everyone got their heart ripped out like mine. Um, when we learned that not only does Rika die tragically, but these two kids also survived freaking childhood illnesses, um, at the same hospital and formed this bond and for them to just survive and then to die from something so preventable, I was like, freaking H, my heart can't handle it. I, again, cried from being freaking mad and sad. So there was that. Yeah, like they've they've worked so hard to overcome these illnesses and then this happens. I know. I, I feel you. And this is this is where I feel like Jujutsu Kaisen like really hammers it in the ground that like we're using real like this is modern this is supposed to be modern day. Like so Right. This is what happens. You can be a jujitsu sorcerer, but cancer will take you out still. Yep. A car you know, can take you out. Yeah. Or a car. E- exactly. And it's just also just to show, like, to drive it in further, like, like even further that this love mm-hmm. was supposed to be forever. They were meant for mm-hmm. each other and then they were robbed from each other. It's just like, oh my gosh, we get it. Please lighten up. And they don't. They don't. But no. Yeah. No. Well, just after that, <coughs> Utah is, you know, at the the hospital where they took the kids and Maki. And um he's like thinking about you know, these instances that you just talked about. And he, he thinks like, Oh, did I curse Rika and not the other way around? Yeah. Um, he's like, we, we remember that he was the one that's like forever endeavor that he says, like after she essentially proposes to him, which John like made fun of this, uh, (gasps) Um, for his kid voice, for his kid voice, because oh. he's like, yeah, not a great kid's kid voice in my thing. Well, fair, fair. Yeah, <laughs> it was one of those things where he was like, whoa, he's like voice acting him way younger than what Rika's character seems to be, and it just seems weird. Well, that's fair. I'll give it to John. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 
No, I, I definitely felt the same way. I was like, oh, this is so grating. But uh, because Utah, now I keep thinking in my head that I'm saying Utah. Utah, <laughs> because he says forever and ever, kind of sealing the promise that Rika makes to him. Oh. Um, and, you know, what with what we find out later, um, he realizes that hit Utah's new mission is to figure out what Rika's curse is is the one that is keeping her there right and how he can break it um and i just i thought that that was interesting also when the higher-ups were talking about rika right um they call her a cursed apparition so she's like you know how they talk about like different curses that come up i'm trying to think of like an example <laughs> cursed object um, cursed like yes yeah cursed object cursed spirit cursed apparition cursed body yeah you know there are different things that can be cursed but they specifically say that hers is a cursed apparition so she's not i think that what they're trying to delineate here is that she's not necessarily a cursed spirit um that was like made from people's fears, but she was a person that now appears as a curse. Does that make sense? Yeah, or that she she can come and she can go, and her yes. power is magnified. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. She can come okay. and she can go, and she is unstable the way a cursed spirit is a little more... A little more it seems almost like a cursed spirit is more tangible um or like more... ever present because it seems to always just be there it doesn't yeah. just like disappear you know yeah um yeah 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 very interesting um word choice for them yes exactly and that's kind of how i felt i was like okay this is something i think that needs to kind of be remembered i guess yeah is what i'm trying to go for mm -hmm. um okay and this is the point where okay this is where gojo says the quote that i was saying earlier for some reason i thought it was the other one but gojo has a meeting with the higher-ups and he walks out and he says that no one should take youth away from the young and he isn't going to let them do any of that to these kids and it just made me think like you know, a lot of what we have learned in Jujutsu Kaisen is that something big happens and then people make vows. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to do this. Like with Yuta, he's like, hey, I just beat like this massive curse. I can do hard things. I vow that I'm going to do hard things. It seems in this moment that Gojo's kind of like, I'm going to protect these kids. I vow that I'm going to do this. And so I'm like, so I wonder, taking a step further back in the past... What makes him feel like he needs to do this? Like, what triggered that motivation? I don't know. I it's a similar. It's similar in the same. It's in the same vein as when Nanami reminds Itadori that he's a child and that being a child isn't a bad thing. And I feel like maybe something happened in their childhood or in their teenagehood 
when they were students or something yeah. because they went to the same they were there at the same time so I don't know maybe something happened um to them around that fundamental time that makes them feel like they need to save these kids or spare them from any sort of like hurt or trauma that'll come along um yeah either that or they just feel like the world in general tries to rob kids of their childhoods but that doesn't feel as personal so yeah maybe it is the former yeah Yeah, I I think that it's probably along the same vein as the former because you know in terms of like Gojo, he's gifted just like Itadori and Yuta are and Megumi. Right. And so it's just kind of makes me feel like what what is it that happened to you or somebody that you were close to? Mm Yeah. Probably involves Gato. And I, if this just makes me want, if it makes everyone want to have a redemption arc for him, I'm going to be pissed, but I'm going to save my heat for later. Um, But yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Moving on though. The part where freaking Maki is training with Utah like a badass. One. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? But then two. When Panda asks Utah about his boob preferences, and then Panda turns around and says, Maki, you have a shot. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me, Panda? Oh my. It's ridiculous. Oh my gosh, I loved it. And then, of course, later on in the movie, Panda just blushes anytime Maki makes like an initiative to talk to Utah. He, you'll see him yeah. blush from here on out. And I'm just like, I am living for Panda because Panda is me. If I ever discover someone has a crush on someone, I get stupid happy for them. And I'm like, I'll try to keep it under wraps, but I can't help it. And I get stupid happy for people. It's just ridiculous. It's like almost a matchmaker moment. Yes! Like, I just want this to out. <laughs> exactly. So I freaking love that. So yeah, lived for it, loved it. He is, he is a freaking golden. Oh, Panda. I know. Oh, Panda. And the love that we have for you. You're great. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so the next thing, um, I just, this is one of those moments where I'm like, Gojo, you did, you really did good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when he decides to, to send Yuta and Toge on a mission together, I just really think that that was a moment that helps us as an audience understand Toge just a little bit better mm-hmm. um, with like his cues with words and stuff like that and with his powers um, and then also demystifies Toge in Yuta's eyes. Right. Um, and yeah, I just, I think that that's really great. And then he ends, Yuta ends up saving Toge. Um, and Yuta just gets like more courage to help Toge in like that fighting moment of just like, he's a good guy. Like he just tried to save me. Let me try to save him. And then like Rika cheers him on just a little bit, which is a very cute moment of just like, go Utah. <laughs> and then, yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy cool. And this, okay, this is another thing I want to bring up on my, my theory that just 
Gojo has these unconventional, unorthodox methods of teaching that are meant to help his students. Because there's that moment yeah. when he's saving Toge where he's just like, that, that thing is enormous. This isn't what we were told. But they were able mm-hmm. to do it. They were able to be successful. Yeah. And I think it's because mm-hmm. Gojo just habitually doesn't tell them everything that they just are able yeah. to still be prepared, regardless of the lack of information. Because I feel like when you're continuously being fed information or you feel like you're mm-hmm. being fed the full information, it sets you up for failure for situations that later don't give you information at all. So you feel underprepared or you don't know the full story or you just, it sets you up for failure. So I think that, Mm -hmm. hey, this is another point for Gojo's teaching methods. Um, Yeah, there's also the moment where Yuta says, that he's not going to be a sorcerer forever. So in the meantime, he's going to help as many people as he can. And I'm like, who else have we heard that from? Itadori. Yeah. I am. I'm literally so excited for when these two meet. Like they're, they're very similar cut from a very similar cloth is all I'm going to say. And I'm so excited for them to. I feel like that. I feel like that meeting is going to be the equivalent to when Toto like just went crazy on Itadori, <laughs> except Yuta is going to be Itadori in that moment yes. and Itadori is going to be Toto. Right. 100% I believe this is true. I know that manga <laughs> readers are like either yes or no, but I subscribe to that. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Oh, I, I can't wait for this next season because I really do want to see Utah and just see the dynamic that he has with this new group of students, too. I think it'll be I think it'll be really cool. I know. Me, too. Um, I OK. So, again, Panda with the save here, like Panda being the insightful, non-human yeah, he's just he's just great. <laughs> he comes in and um, he starts talking to Yuta uh, post Toge Yuta mission, and he's like, you know, Toge was really um, worried about you because you know you guys have both kind of had similar situations where your powers have hurt other people, and he was just worried that you weren't going to get over it or be able to work through it. Um, and I was just like, way to go, Panda, for, like, bridging that gap. Toge can't really talk to Yuta. Um, you know, it's just, it's, oh, he's just so good. He's great. Right. And when Panda was like, try to be as good to Toge as Toge tries to be with you. And I'm like, that's so perfect. Panda literally just yeah. seems to, like, bridge people together or tries to relate to them. Like, he did that with Mekamaru. Yeah back in season one and now here he is with Yuta and Toge he just tries to help people feel like they're not alone in their hardship and I just love that about him I'm like Panda (laughs) I freaking love you so much right now he was perfect and precious yeah he really he really is though um just bumped my mic um 
side note that just comes with like a little blip within the story because of how many missions that we have seen like through season one and through this movie um with all these cursed exterminations how does japan pay for all these structural damages that happen (laughs) in these fights like all of a sudden you have this veil come up the veil comes down and everything's just like decimated how do you explain that to people how do you pay for all of this right by the way right and like it happened to be okay for this empty mall that they were going to demolish but i'm thinking like the school how do you explain the different schools like i would feel very unsafe if my school all of a sudden was demolished so yeah kind of a very good point that not many people probably think about (laughs) so yeah yeah it goes very much unexplained Um, but that's just real world things for me. It's just like with the Marvel movie, it's Marvel movies. It's just like, you just ruined everything. Right. That's (laughs) going to cost a kajillion dollars to replace. Like, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for saving, but also you just bankrupted us. Awesome. Yes. You know? (laughs) Like, from year to year, you have more aliens just popping out of the sky. Maybe move. (laughs) Move. Exactly. You have like all these, all these people coming. Like you have people. Oh, anyway, Marvel Universe. Yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> um, but what I really wanted to move on to is, um, so <laughs> when my husband watches things with me, and if he listens to this, he he knows that this is a flaw of his. But when he watches movies or shows with me, he has a very hard time just sitting there only doing that one thing. Mm. Um, and so he'll either be reading an article on his phone, or he will be on his switch or writing notes for our D&D campaigns while watching. And all of a sudden, like during the middle of this movie, he's like, wait, 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 wait. why is Gato talking about monkeys? Like, I haven't seen monkeys. I don't understand. John! And, <laughs> and I was like, listen, Gato's terrible. And he calls human people who are not sorcerers, regular people, he calls them monkeys. Yep. And he's terrible. I have terrible person. I have my two cents to add, and I will continue to add my two cents whenever there is a, <laughs> an appropriate time for Gato slander. Um, first off, I want to add this that this is before he has that nice stitching across his forehead that he had in yes. season one, so that we're missing a clear major event. But yeah, he is evil. I do not get why there are people in the fandom who simp for him. I do not get it. I'm I'm concerned. I'm concerned from one friend to another. If I know that you like Gato, I'm going to pull you inside. I'm going to pull you aside and say sister. Sister or mister or whomever. Um let's talk because I'm I'm worried for you. And I will can He is very pretty. He, he is, is so pretty. pretty. He's so pretty. I love the long hair. Like my husband has super long hair right now. And let me tell you, I think it's hot. So like I get it. I get it. <laughs> but ladies, everyone, no. The facade is beautiful, but the interior is rotting soon. Stay away. 
Ugh. I can change him, though. I can you change cannot, him. You cannot, sister. You cannot. You really can't. You can't. <laughs> you are um, the monkey he's talking about. Like, no. Step away. Yeah. Step away. But anyway, so I'll here's the funny thing. Later, so. <laughs> Here's the funny thing, though. So I saw this movie originally with my friend Lindsay. And as soon as she saw Gato, she's like, oh, yep. I love this movie. Oh, Lindsay, no. <laughs> no. It was so funny. And she knows. She was like, he's a bad guy, but I like bad boys. I like bad boys. And I know that that is a, that is a troublesome thing. <laughs> Lin- so she has not watched uh, Jujutsu Kaisen oh. at all, but she to watch the movie she's like will this ruin the the first season for me i was like no it's not gonna like it's it's a prequel uh but yeah it was just so funny as soon as gato uh popped up on screen she goes oh Lindsay!" <laughs> and i just have a look at her and she has like her hand kind of like cradling her chin a little bit and she's like oh okay <laughs> no she's like, i don't get the guy with the blindfold but him I get. <laughs> it was just really funny. Oh my gosh. Lindsay, we're going to have to talk later. If she listens to this, I'll be like, we need to talk pronto. It was just, it was so funny. And I get it. I, I get it. He's very pretty. You get it. But rotting sewage yeah. on the inside, everyone. Take note. <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, I just, okay. So if we're on the Gato train right now, I just, when Gato gets to the school, I feel like he's just trying to sell his dream real hard. Like he, he goes into full salesman mode <laughs> when he comes up to uh, Utah and he just like slings his arm around him. And he's just like, man, you know, I know that you've got to feel this way too. It just kind of, that's kind of what it seems like with oh. him. Um, and he just, he's talking about it like his dream for the future isn't this mass extermination order. And right. I just, I don't get that. Oh, and okay. More slander continues. But is it slander when you're yeah. already a heaping pile of garbage? I don't think so. <laughs> um, okay. There is that moment when he's like, everyone's so talented. And then when he gets to Maki and he's just like, Oh, yeah. You are Zenon clan garbage. I, yeah. I am like he calls her a monkey. Right. Calls he her calls her, a monkey. calls her a monkey, everyone. And the Zenon clan's trash. Again, mm-hmm. why do people simp for Gato? Like, are y'all okay? But I will say it was hilarious when he just smiled and he left and was like, goodbye, everyone. See you at the war. Like, that was hilarious. <laughs> but also, yes. I want to punch him so. I want to punch him. Yeah. Um. So just like this was just something that I thought of when he's having this conversation, because, of course, when Gato is like talking about his plan, I'm like, so i just kind of am looking at him at this point and i'm like you are very beautiful um but this was one question that i had and i was like why does gato think or or why do you think that gato wears formal wear like more um traditional clothing when we know that he wears streetwear as well like we've seen in season one that he wears streetwear 
And I was like, this is interesting. Like, does he think of himself as godly? Like people have said like, are you so godlike or whatever? Is that why he wears those clothes? I looked this up because I was like, I like the attire. I like the whole, I like the whole exterior package, everyone. Like I get it. (laughs) Okay. So I did look this up and I read that it's Buddhist priest attire and I, And I think it's part of this facade to lure normal people in who are cursed to collect those curses for his later use. Mm. We know that uh, Ichiji, that name is so hard for me to say, Ichiji, um, later makes a report about this kind of following that he's getting, this religious thing. So, yeah, I think the clothes are really just part of his facade to lure people in who come to him with their problems and he's able to just pick the curses eat them and then use them later because he hates people he wouldn't help these people unless it was for something and that's just to get the curses to come to him yeah you know yeah no that Uh, that is a very good point um just kind of making him seem like a non-threat to get what he wants yep you know a good person who will help Um, you out yeah exactly which f him yeah f him (laughs) and continuing the gato slander um there's also the part where he says to maki because he invades the school as part of his plan because everyone else is gone except for Maki Mm -hmm. and Yuta. And Maki decides to get in his face and to confront him. And he's like, sorry, I don't have time to chat with monkeys. Oh, again, everyone. Ah, just stay away. He's the human garbage equivalent of someone who treats a waiter like they're the slave to them when they go out to a restaurant. He's this, he's the human garbage equivalent of someone who like revs their engine on a quiet road because he wants to show how big and bad his truck is. Like he is just Mm -hmm. the worst, the worst, the worst. No, I agree with that. Um, so to kind of further like Gato a little bit, um, when Gojo ends up sending Panda and Toge to help, um, help Maki and Yuta Gato when he sees them arrive kind of gets emotional and says like this is what he wants his the future to be is to have sorcerers come to the aid of other sorcerers and this is the world that he longs for he longs for just a sorcerer led future And it's just so interesting to see him get so emotional over the people that are trying to come and fight him, which just seems very like unstable to me. Oh, one trillion percent unstable. Um, Yeah, 100 percent unstable, especially with his. Well, I think I later I think I later put just more quotes of his on how he decides to treat people or his view Mm. of this so i'll save it for later but yeah not a great person (laughs) 
very no not at all very delusional i did think that um it was interesting to see the interaction between reka 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 mm-hmm. I, I keep wanting to say reka <laughs> reka and maki um because like reka says it was you it was always you and um it was just it's very interesting to me because i feel like she knows something that the rest of us don't in terms of like yeah maybe he likes her but like i feel like rika knows his true feelings and i think that it's alluding to he does like maki quite a bit does that make sense it 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 really does and i will say this made me cry shocker i know but it's just because in that moment it just feels so unfair it's like rika's life Mm -hmm. cut short but her love and her childlike understanding of it remained and Mm -hmm. so rika i feel like in that moment is like not understanding how maki fits but rika just wants to be there for yuta but what does that mean yeah. if there's Maki or any other person? What does that mean for her if there's someone else? Like, it's just this whole yeah. thing where it's just like, it feels so unfair because the yeah. life got short, the love did not. But what does that mean? Yeah. So very, very sad. Yeah. Oh, that that moment just like really got to me. But um. You know, while this fight continues to go on, Gato sees that, I think that he tries to, like, shift tactics a little bit. Like, he's trying to, like, do this, like, hey, I'm your friend kind of thing again. Um, Where he tries to talk to Yuta to relate to him as they fight. And he's trying to help Yuta understand his anger and how powerful he feels at the same time, like, feel this anger, feel how powerful that you are in like that moment. And it's just makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) Or, well, or it's just a villain monologuing because villains, villains love to talk about why they are right and to justify Mm -hmm. why they are doing what they are doing. Um, actually not justify but just to say that their way is correct and so it Mm -hmm. can't be wrong because they're because they are right that is what villains do and yeah um i just yeah he's a garbage human um and I I love the fighting. I love the fighting. And I know that the real meat of the fight comes later, but I loved it. And while mm-hmm. this is going on, where there are the different parties are fighting, I loved seeing Mei mm-hmm. Mei fight in action. Um, of course, she's incentivized by money, but you know, you get yes. your bonus pay, girl, you know. Um <laughs> I love seeing it. I thought she was super cool because we didn't see it before. And yeah. and then there's this moment with Ijichi who um, runs into those two 15-year-olds who've literally strung up men, wow. you know, killed them. Because we've talked about youth and being a child. And when Ijichi sees this, 
he tells these girls who are with Gato, he says, it's not too late for you to change, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just, my, I just am like props to you, Ichichi, because, or H-E-G, sorry, everyone, that name is so hard, but I'm like props to you for not shaming them, but instead saying you can still turn this around because why? Mm -hmm. Because here's another problematic thing about Gato, which I'm like, everyone who simps for him, listen up. Why would third, why would 15 year old girls be with Gato? And don't say it's because he saved them because that's not a good enough reason for me. He allows them to stay with him. And then he uses them and he's using that bond of saving them to have him, to have them further his plans of taking people out. So yet again, another problematic behavior, two 15 year old girls should not be with grown man Gato. I'm just saying y'all stop simping yet another problematic behavior. But here's the thing, though. I'm going to do devil's advocate no! for a moment. Sam, only I can do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Gojo did the same thing. Uh, Gojo did the same thing. Like, he took in Megumi. He saved Megumi. He has Megumi fighting on his side. Now, we see Gojo as a good person because his cause seems to be better. But he also has done this with... Utah. He's also done this with Yuji as well. Okay. And it just so happens that like the ones that Gato saved were girls. And that looks more inappropriate than if a man were to be living with young boys or saving young boys. It, it is oh. a, it is a visual. It, it's yes. You know, I what? see, I see the air. <laughs> uh, I will give it to you for at least each Dory because yeah, Using him to eat Sukuna's vessels just to see what happens and maybe mm-hmm. make something work out later. Yeah, okay. That is problematic. I'll give it to you. But I still stand by my <laughs> Fushiguro statement and with Utah because I don't see him having any real benefit to Utah being there. But the each story, I'm like, okay, yeah, I do see a benefit or an ulterior plan. But yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I did not need I mean, that. the other two are also there to create the future that Gojo wants. So even though he's not, like, experimenting with them, he they are still followers in his footsteps. But I do understand in terms of Gato that he is, it seems more malicious. Man, that was a very good point, Sam. I was not prepared. I was not prepared for that. I still stand by it. I still stand by what I said, but I was no. not prepared either way. <laughs> no, and I and I understand. It's just more of a trying to look at both of them objectively because what if, say, down the road we find out that, like, Gojo is this terrible person and actually his plan is like uh, this doomsday and Gato's just like, I was just trying to save the sorcerers. Sam, Sam, this is our Attack on Titan trauma talking. Because yeah, no, we we are waiting for the rug to be pulled from under us. This is our attack on Titan really trauma talking here. But no, you are yeah. you are right because well, and here's the truth: my favorite characters, well, not my favorite characters, but I love when anime makes it so like 
the good guys are not perfect. The bad guys are not purely evil. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I do think uh, Gato is pure evil. So, like, we're good here, people. <laughs> um, I will say, speaking of, mid-fight with Utah, he does say... I sounded like I said Utah. Utah, he says, and I quote... In the end, all those monkeys just want to avert their eyes from those better than them. What I long for is not any kind of enlightenment. It's a chosen people. There are times when the strong are completely overwhelmed by the weak due to their strength and sheer numbers and the audacity of those weak monkeys that they think they can defeat the strong makes me so sick I could vomit. I'm just saying it's no it's bad. It's it's bad. it's bad. And I'm like mm-hmm. again sister, mister, whomever, I we can talk. I'm I will steer you in the correct way or at least in an ulterior alternate way from Gato. You can pick Nanami, you can pick Gojo, you can pick Principal Yaga. There are plenty of zaddies in this show, but stay away from Gato. That's all I'm saying. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Um, and of course, there is the super awesome moment when Yuta does hit Gato with the Black Flash without even knowing how or what it was. So freaking cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, kind of the next thing that I, like, I did have this one question, um, and it's a little further down in our notes, but did Gojo send Toge and Panda with the anticipation that they were going to die, or did he bank on Gato with not being willing to kill them? Either way, that's messed up, and I'm mad. Um, I, here's the thing. I will make an argument, but it's not going to be that great. Gojo <laughs> Gojo relied on Gato to not kill them because they were young. They are the students. They are the people who he wants in this future world. But if he sent in adults, Gojo knew Gato would murder them. So the students had a chance to survive. The real miracle is that Maki lived because according to Gato... She's a monkey. She's Zenin's trash. So it's a miracle that he let Maki live. But at the very least, with Gojo sending in Panda and Toge, they actually had somewhat of a chance to survive because he knew that Gato viewed them as people with real promise. So... I it's still messed up. It's it's still messed up. But honestly, I get it. I feel and it's very contrasting because like Nanami, like moments before we see Nanami like tell the children, the youth to like step aside while he takes out this massive curse. Mm -hmm. Like it's very different because we see that he takes them out. He wants to preserve their youth. You know, we've talked about this. It's kind of a theme. And then we see Gojo, who's literally stepped in to save these kids. We do something. He does something that feels very out of character for him, which is messed up and why we 
have a hard time with it. It doesn't change anything. Yeah. But yeah, it does suck. To me, I was I was just like so like why didn't he just go himself? And the only thing that I can feel like justifies it is because they had that foreign sorcerer that was there and maybe he thought that nobody else would be able to defeat him and that he had to stay long enough to kill him and then go I don't know, but I that or I was real mad. That or Gojo knew that he couldn't kill his friend if it mattered. And this is oh, this is gosh. what gets me pissed because Gato makes this comment about trust and how he didn't think he had any of it left in him after everything mm-hmm. he's been through. And I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? Is that supposed to make us feel for you later in your redemption arc, Gato? If that is the case, I will riot. There's also the point where Gojo says something th- to Gato that we do not know. but Ga- Which makes me mad. Which Oh, I will write in these streets. Then Gato's response is just a smile. And he says, the least you could do is hit me with some curses. Which again, just makes me think, did you stay to fight Miguel because you could, you felt you could only save him? Or is it because you couldn't face your friend? Speaking of the friend comment, we'll save it for the end. But yeah. Yes. Oh. Well, I'm just going to skip. I'm just going to skip to that. Okay. Okay. Because Go. my only other thing was just talking about Rika's curse when it was broken. Let's just say I cried again. I cried. Yeah. Not a shocker for anyone so- who's listened to me thus far. <laughs> I've cried. Oh, I did. My husband and I both were just feeling a little bit awkward when they like cut away from Utah, almost kissing Rika. Oh, yeah. And we're like, oh, no, that's a little awkward. Don't do that. I think that's why I think that's why they did cut it out. But you know what? Their love is more pure than we will understand. (laughs) He could have at least like, like if he would have kissed her cheek, that would have been fine. But like. It almost was like open mouth kiss right to the curse's face. And it's it's. It's intense. He's, but he's probably um, only practiced kissing on a pillow, Sam. Like, we got to cut him some slack. He's had no girls. This is probably his first kiss. So we got to cut him some slack. Here. Yeah, save it for Maki, though. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, jeez. Oh. But yeah, we'll move on from Rika because everyone knows that, like, we had heartache and oh. whatever. And yeah. it That's pretty, that's pretty blatant. Yeah. But I do, um, so when Gato gives Gojo Yuta's ID, and so Gojo is now giving it to Yuta, and he specifically says, oh, my friend found it. Oh. My only friend. Only my friend? My only friend. What? This pissed me off so much, Sam. Literally. In the beginning yes. of the movie, Gojo said Get that it. Gato was one of the few special yep. grade sorcerers who was banished from Jujutsu High, uh, one of four, and he cursed over a hundred normal 
people to death. Again, why are we simping? And he said that he is the worst curse user ever. And this pisses me off because you say that and at the very end you say he's your best friend and only friend? What about everyone else? Are they chopped liver? I am waving my hands so violently out of <laughs> anger because I'm like, are you freaking kidding me, Gojo? What's up with that? Oh, I'm so mad. Sam, take it away from me because I am like running here. <laughs> <laughs> um, All I have to say to that is I do understand like I do understand the loss of who you thought somebody was. I get that. And still feeling feeling the... Um, Residual. Because like, there are certain people in your life. Yes. Yes. So I do get that. I do... I still understand, like, Gojo calling him his best friend because that's who he was. I... It just... It did make me mad when he said his only friend or, like... It sounds like currently still his best friend. I don't know. I, the way that it was worded was uh, bleh. <laughs> here's the thing. I might need to have a little mini weave where I talk about this. Um, because this whole one best friend trope, even though they are literally my worst enemy now, trope makes me so mad in anime it just yeah. makes me go berserko and we just don't have enough time for me to go full berserko on this people are probably going to be like calm down like we get it so yeah but who who else did got upset with that tell me tell me yeah. more um yeah. now sam I noticed that this is where your notes stopped, and I need to ask, did you see the post-credits clip? I am screaming. They took no. they took a note from Marvel, Sam, and they added Damn a it. clip at the end. Do you want me to uh, tell And I should know because I'm I I am the one that always tells you about like the post-episode clips, and of course but, the one time I don't. To be fair though. Clips. There were like five minutes to the end of the thing, and literally it was like four minutes and 30 seconds of it was the end credits. So, like, to be fair, you're good. But do you want me to tell you the So, post yeah, tell me. Tell okay, me, tell me. so basically, we see that Utah is now, we see that Utah is now in a foreign land foreign land because there are zebras there is just like obviously he's in a market of some kind he is not in japan anymore and he's just eating yeah. this delicious food and he's talking with someone and we see he's with miguel the guy that gojo fought yeah and you're like wtf how did this happen Utah, what are you doing? This guy's the enemy. What's happening here? But yeah. And he's they're just chit-chatting away. And they're just talking about food. Chummy, chummy. And then Miguel looks up and he sees Gojo. And what the heck? Utah is like, Gojo, what are you doing here? And Gojo, he just pulls down his sunglasses a little. He's like, I've been looking for you. And that's the clip. So well, many my, questions. 
so the remaining questions for season two. <laughs> yeah. Mine was, on. where does Yuta go? Because he's clearly not in season one. <laughs> exactly. He was obviously somewhere. That kind of answers a little bit of it. Yeah. He was obviously somewhere else when all this was going down. Yeah. Let's move on to remaining questions. Basically, I want to know why he left. I want to know why he left. Yeah. And I want to know what made him come back aside from like Gojo seeking him out. Because obviously Gojo's been pretty busy in season one. I want to know what made all of this coming and going. And also, why are you with Miguel? Well, and here's the thing is that I do remember a couple times in the first season saying like, I had to go do something. Like he says that like once or twice. So I'm wondering if during those moments that he's looking for Yuta (gasps) at that point. But yeah, like why is Yuta with Miguel? Why, why is it so laissez-faire over here where Miguel's like, "Mm, there you are. And then Gojo's like, "Mm, there you are. And Yuta's (laughs) like, hey. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Like how, how? I know. And then I want to know. What is going to happen on October 31st in their time, obviously not ours, when Gojo gets sealed. I honestly don't even know how that would be possible, but it makes me pissed because I'm like, Gojo essentially let Gato go away, like get free when he was injured. And this is how you return the favor, Gato. I just can't even with him. But yeah. Oh, that's it for me on what that... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say, and that's the end of that. <laughs> exactly. Jeez, Louise. Um, actually, I do think that is a wrap. So, yeah, everyone, thank you for joining us. Thank you for watching this with us, you know, in air quotes over watching. Um, we are so happy that you have been with us with a little bit weebish and that you've supported this podcast and that you have watched Jujutsu Kaisen with us. Um, if you would like to continue supporting a little bit weebish, feel free to share this with um, a friend or two or give us a review. It always helps us. Now, since we have wrapped up Jujutsu Kaisen, this means that we are due for a short break. So be sure to follow us on social media so you can stay up to date and keep in touch. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at littlebitweebish, or you can send us an email at littlebitweebish at gmail.com. Did I say that right? Littlebitweebish at gmail.com? Yes, I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotten so used to it that you're like, oh. I know. I'm like, did I say the right words and in the right order? Anyway, that's a cue that it is getting late. So everyone, thank you so much, and we will see you soon. Bye.